Good morning and welcome. We're glad, that, we're glad that you're here today. If you're visiting, we want you to come back and be with us at every opportunity that you have. Prayer is a great, great spiritual blessing. There are a lot of blessings that we enjoy in this life, and no doubt it would be difficult for us to enumerate all of the physical, mental, and spiritual blessings that we enjoy on a daily basis. But one of the great blessings that we have in this life, particularly in the Christian life, is knowing that we can turn to God whatever time of day and pray with the assurance that he hears us. The Apostle Peter said, the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. It ought to be a great encouragement to us to know that whenever we turn to God in prayer, that he hears us and that he answers our prayers according to his divine will. In our study today, we want to talk for just a minute about some of the great blessings that we enjoy as they relate to prayer. As we begin our study, let me just call attention to the fact that we have been encouraged to pray. God wants us to be a praying people. God delights in our prayers. Solomon in Proverbs chapter 15 verse 8 said in the long ago that God delights in the prayers of the upright. To know that my God wants to hear from me. That ought to be something that's very special to each of us as his children. To know that God in heaven delights in my prayers that are directed ultimately to him who is the giver of all good gifts. When you look at the scriptures, there is what I would say to be the call or command to pray. There are numerous passages that express to us the fact that God wants to hear from us. In Matthew chapter 7 at verse 7, Jesus said, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. In Luke chapter 18 at verse 1, Luke tells us that Jesus taught that men ought to always pray and not to faint. And then there are the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 at verse 17, when he said, pray without ceasing. And the idea is that we have an attitude of prayer on a daily basis in our lives. He's not saying that we're to pray, that we're to pray 24-7, but he's saying that we are to have a regular prayer life with Almighty God. It is a constant in our lives. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, Paul would say, continue steadfastly in prayer, watching therein with thanksgiving. The Hebrew writer in chapter 4 at verse 16 said in the long ago, let us therefore draw boldly unto the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so these are passages that emphasize to us the importance of prayer. Peter would say, casting all your care on him for he cares for you in 1 Peter chapter 5 at verse 7. Now what about the confidence that we have as a child of God that our prayers are heard? You know, it's one thing to pray, but to know 
that God hears my prayers, to know that I have assurance that when I go to the throne of God, that God responds to my supplications. The passage that we noted a moment ago in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12, the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. John said in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, that this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. I would emphasize the importance of that word assurance. As a child of God, as a believer, I have the assurance that God hears my prayers, that my prayers are being that my prayers are being answered by a loving God in heaven. Now there are some examples that we have of people praying in scripture. And I want you to think for just a moment or two about some of the saints in days gone by that understood the importance of prayer. There are a lot of men and women that are spoken of in scripture that prayed to God on a regular basis. I think about Hannah. The Bible talks about Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 1. And the writer there tells us that she was barren. She was childless and she wanted desperately to have a child. And so you know what she did? She prayed to Almighty God to favor her with a child. And in 1 Samuel chapter 1 at about verse 27, she said, for this child I prayed. And the Lord has granted me the petition that I asked of him. Hannah's prayer was answered by Almighty God. And as a result of that, she dedicated this child, Samuel, to the Lord's service. In chapter 2, you read about her praising God. And ultimately, Samuel became one of the great prophets of God. And so here was a woman that trusted in prayer. And then I think about David in Psalm 55. David said, evening, morning, and noon will I pray and cry aloud. David was a man of regular prayer. He was a man of extraordinary ability, and yet he trusted in Almighty God and looked to him. <clears throat> Think for a minute about that young shepherd boy. I can just see David out in the fields tending his flocks and praying to God. I think about him as he became king over the United Kingdom and bowing in the presence of Almighty God and praying to God on a regular basis. Why was that? Because he believed in the power of prayer. And then there was Daniel. You remember Daniel? In Daniel chapter 6, we read of a law that had been put into place in the days of the Medo-Persians. And the Bible tells us that Anyone that petitioned any god other than the king of Persia for a period of 30 days would be cast into a den of lions. You know what Daniel did? His faith unwavering went into the chamber of his home or his house, kneeled down and prayed to Almighty God. And the Bible says he did it three times a day. He had done this since his early years, according to Daniel chapter 6 at verse 10. Daniel was a man of prayer. Daniel had been exiled in a Babylonian captivity at a very early age, probably about 17 years of age. And yet as he grew older in life, 
He trusted more in prayer, I believe. And then in the New Testament, there are people that we have records of that spent time in prayer. Paul is a good example. When you read some of the epistles of the Apostle Paul, for example, look at Romans or Philippians, 1 Thessalonians. Note, if you would, how the Apostle Paul talks about praying unceasingly for these saints. When the Apostle Paul bowed in prayer to God, he remembered these people. He prayed for them regularly. In Romans chapter 10, verse 1, Paul would pray for his own kinsmen, that is, his own fellow Jews. He said, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Paul was a man of prayer. And it was exemplified time and again in his own life. And then I think about the prayer life of Jesus, the Savior. Jesus, to me, is the supreme example of a man dedicated to prayer. When you begin to look at the New Testament and see the numerous times that Jesus prayed to God, it's really quite amazing. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, the Bible tells us that Jesus, on one occasion, arose early in the morning and went out into a solitary place and there prayed. There are some folks that get up early in the morning and in the early morning hours of life, they bow in the presence of God, they give God thanks for another day of life, for the day, of, for the day ahead, they pray that God will use them to his glory. And I see Jesus bowing in the presence of Almighty God in the early hours of the morning. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 5 at about verse 16 that Jesus withdrew into the wilderness and there he prayed. And then, of course, in Luke chapter 6, we have the account of Jesus selecting the 12 apostles. And prior to selecting these men, the Bible tells us he spent the night in prayer to God. Now think about that. Jesus on one occasion was said to have risen early in the morning and prayed to God. Here we have Jesus spending the night in prayer to Almighty God. What does that say to us? It says that the Son of God believed in prayer. I mean, this is the creator of the universe, the one through whom this world was made. And here he is spending time in prayer. If Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is to be the Lord of our lives, if he believed in the power of prayer, if he spent time in prayer, what should that say to us? It, it ought to say to us, we need to be praying. We need to be spending more time in prayer. As Paul said, pray without ceasing. Spend time in prayer to God. In John chapter, well, in John chapter 17, we have Jesus bowing in the presence of Almighty God in the shadow of the cross. Praying for those that would believe on him through the words of the apostles. His prayer that we might be one. That unity would prevail in the religious world. In the Garden of Gethsemane, we find Jesus bowing in the presence of God the Father. Three times Jesus would pray to God the Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. In Hebrews chapter 5 at verse 7. The writer tells us, speaking of Jesus, who in the days of his flesh, 
offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him who was able to save him from death. And the writer said, and he was heard in that he feared. Jesus bowing in the garden of Gethsemane, the cross looming large on the horizon. Luke said in chapter 22 of his account that Jesus being in agony prayed more earnestly. What does that say to us? That when we are in deep despair, we ought to pray more earnestly. You remember what Jesus taught in Luke 18 verse 1, that men ought to always pray and not faint? Rather than giving up, being discouraged, Jesus dug in and prayed more earnestly. There's a third thing that I, see, that I see in the scriptures about prayer, and that is the effectiveness of prayer. Somebody asked the question, why pray? Let me sum it up with two words. Prayer works. I believe that. Prayer works. Prayer, prayer is a great, great blessing. It is a blessing afforded those of us who belong to the body of Christ to know that my God will listen to my prayers, that I can come before him 24-7. I can get up in the middle of the night. I can spend the night praying to God. I can come before his throne whenever I choose. And he's always there. What a great blessing. And so, as I think about the fact that prayer works, I'm reminded of what James said in chapter 5, verse 16. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Go back and read the Old Testament. Read the New Testament. And look at what the Bible has to say about prayer in the lives of God's people. Look at, look at some of the circumstances God's people faced in days gone by. Note their reliance on prayer and note, if you would, how God worked in their lives. Is God at work in the affairs of his people today? Yes. Is God involved in my life? Absolutely. Is he involved in your life? Yes. And so we have the opportunity to bow in the presence of God, to pray to God. I believe that prayer, it is the blessing of the believer. If you're a child of God, you have the assurance that he hears your prayers. The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. His ears are open unto their prayers. Let me say this in connection to prayer being a blessing of the believer. It is the antidote for anxiety. Think back over the past seven days. Have you been anxious about anything in life? Do you have worries and fears? Are there things that are bothering you in this life? If the answer is yes, listen to what Paul said. In nothing be anxious, but in everything with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Paul said, in nothing be anxious. In other words, don't worry. Read Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. 
Three times in that context, here's what Jesus said. Do not worry. Prayer is the antidote for anxiety. Jesus explicitly said, do not worry. And yet what do we do? We worry. We're filled with anxiety. Is it not the case that, that there are a lot of folks in our world today? I, I, think about, I think about people in the body of Christ whose lives are marred by worry and anxiety. And they constantly are troubled and they're fretting over this and that and all of the things of the world bring them down. Paul's saying, look, you don't need to worry. Why? Because you have a loving God in heaven. You have the ability to turn to him in prayer. There is a third thing that I see in prayer. And that is, it is the cure for our cares. Whatever your cares may be, give them to God. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, casting all, A-L-L. Casting all your cares on him, for he cares for you. Listen, as a parent, as a grandparent, do we love our children, our grandchildren? You better believe we do. Would we do anything in the world for them? Yes. Anything within our power we would do for them. If it was the right thing, there may be some things that we'd, we wouldn't do because we understand it wouldn't be healthy, wouldn't be good for them. But the bottom line is, as a parent, we want to do what's best for our children. Why? Because we love them. We care about them. I mean, this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This is my child. Well, let me tell you what, as a child of the king, we are the children of Almighty God. John said, behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God. And as a child of God, Peter said, you cast all your cares on him. Why? Because he cares for you. There is nobody on this earth that cares for you like God the Father. I promise you that. There is not a soul on earth that cares for you to the degree that Almighty God in heaven cares for you. He cares for you. I mean, He genuinely cares for you. He's concerned about your physical welfare. He is concerned about your material welfare. And He is concerned most importantly, about your spiritual welfare. God cares about you. And so, we have, we have the privilege of praying to him. Not only is it the cure for our cares, but it is the prescription for our pain. Are you hurting? Are you troubled? Are you in despair? Are you discouraged? Are you in agony as we speak? Look, if you would, again, at what Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane. In Luke chapter 22, in about verse 49, I think about the words of Jesus, and I think how significant they are in relationship to prayer. The Bible says, And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. The greater the pain, the more dark the hour got in his life with regard to his plight on the cross, Jesus prayed more earnestly. 
You see, Jesus understood the power of prayer. There are a lot of times in life when we hurt, and I mean we hurt deeply. We lose people on a regular basis because death is a reality. I think about people that have been hurt because they've lost a child or they have lost a grandchild. There are some folks, they have lost a sibling, others a parent or a grandparent. And sometimes life, the loss of life has a way of crystallizing things and helping us to see things more clearly. In other words, it it brings clarity to life. Helps us to understand the brevity of life. In John chapter 11, you read about the death of Lazarus. And the Bible tells us that Mary and Martha were distraught. Both of them said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. When Jesus saw the multitudes or the friends of Mary and Martha weeping. You know what he did? The Bible says Jesus wept. The Hebrew writer tells us in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, that we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but one who has been tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. Jesus understands my pain. He can sympathize with me, yes. He can empathize with me. The Lord Jesus Christ has been here. He has experienced the things of life. And he knows what we're going through in this life. Prayer is the prescription for pain. There are a lot of folks that need to look to God in times of pain. And then finally... It is the balm for the burdened. David said in Psalm 55 at verse 22, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. I want you to think about that in connection with what the Hebrew writer said in chapter 4 verse 16. Let us therefore draw boldly under the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. If you read Psalm 55, you understand David was facing a lot of problems. He was facing enemies in his life. People that had been very close to him had turned their backs on him. His own son had revolted, conspired to really circumvent the kingdom out of his hands. And so David is praying to God, looking to God, trusting God. And David said, here's what you need to do. Cast your burden on the Lord. There are a lot of people in the body of Christ, they are weighed down by the burdens of life. You talk to them and you see it, you hear it. You observe how they go about their daily business. You can just tell. They are casualties of the the world. They have been burdened by the sorrows and the heartaches and the trials and the tribulations of life. And what David is saying is, whatever your burden may be, you give it to God. The Hebrew writer said, when you do that, you can expect to receive mercy and grace to help in time of need. Are you ever in need in this life? If you're honest, the answer would be yes. We all have needs. So in times of need, what do we do? We turn to God. With the assurance that what will he do? He'll help us. He'll see us through 
to the other side. Let, let me close by saying, look, life isn't easy. If anybody tells you life is a piece of cake, that, that life is easy, let me tell you, they are not telling you the truth. It's not easy. And as a child of God, it's not always easy. But you look back at some of God's people and how was it that they were able to get through life and overcome adversities and, in, and, and rise above the trials and the tribulations and the temptations of life? It was through prayer. Do you remember the Apostle Paul when he talked about his thorn in the flesh in 2 Corinthians chapter 12? He said, three times I besought the Lord because of that impending thorn. And God said, my grace is sufficient for you. God told him no. Sometimes God says no to our prayers. But God was still with him. And he'll be with us. Come what may. I want to encourage you today, if you're not a child of God, if you're not a Christian, I want to encourage you to become a child of God. To enjoy the peace that passes all understanding. To have the right, the privilege to know that when you pray to God, He hears you. And that He responds accordingly. Here's what you need to do. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God. John 8, verse 20, 24. And not only believe that Jesus is the Son of God, but willingly give up a life of sin. Turn from sin. It's called repentance, Luke 13, 3. And then confess with your mouth what I know you believe in your heart, that Jesus is the Son of God. The Bible then says you need to be buried with Christ in baptism. Baptism is not, it's not sprinkling, it's not pouring, it is an immersion in water. It's a burial. That's what Paul said in Colossians chapter 2. We're buried with Christ in baptism. We rise to walk in newness of life. When we're buried with Christ in baptism, the, the Bible says that every sin is washed away, Acts twenty two sixteen. And then if you'll live faithfully until death, the promise is the crown of life, Revelation two ten. Maybe, Maybe it's the case that you're not where you ought to be spiritually. We have the opportunity to pray for you and with you. James said, confess your trespasses one to another. He said, pray one for another. We have the privilege of praying for one another. And we'd be happy to do that for you this hour as we stand and sing for your encouragement.